0: Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 897 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn. Welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you the listener to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. People first. That is the top line of a new strategic plan for Northumberland Hills Hospital. And while some may think that it's a bit obvious, the simplicity masks a deeper meaning. In an interview today, Susan Walsh, CEO of Northumberland Hills Hospital, and Pam Wente, former chair of the hospital board, will explain. It is not just about putting people at the center of care. It also speaks to diversity. It speaks to those who might struggle to access care. It speaks to those who work at the hospital. And it speaks to much more. You will want to hear about this plan and how it's going to impact health care you receive for the next 20 years. I'm so pleased to have with me today, Susan Walsh, CEO of the Northumberland Hills Hospital and Pam Wente, former chair of the board for the hospital. Welcome both to Consider This Northumberland. Thanks, Rob.
1: Thanks. Nice to be
0: here. Thanks, Rob. Pam, I'd like to start with you. Let's start at the very beginning. When did the hospital board decide it wanted to undertake a new strategic plan?
1: Well, uh, to be truthful, Rob, we should have done it a year ago. Uh, the last plan was a five-year plan and it expired in 2021, but we were in the middle of the pandemic and uh, had a look at the existing plan and felt that it could get it through, us through at least another year. So um, we decided to put it off a year. So, But then we had serendipitously in two thousand. Uh, 21, um, Susan joined our team uh, at the senior level. And so it was an opportunity with a new leader and a a pandemic that we didn't know when it was going to end, to, to do what we needed to do, which was to create a new strategic plan to take us at least a few more years into the future.
0: Susan, what exactly is a strategic plan in terms of the organization?
2: That's a great question, Rob. A strategic plan is really a roadmap for looking to the future around what the organization wants to focus on. So although a strategic plan often is focused on, you know, the next five years, and but you really need to be thinking about what's gonna happen in 20 years. And so that you're building, you're laying out the road map for the future by starting in small steps incrementally. And so this strategic plan that we developed this this time was really meant to take us to the next three to five years, and we wanted it to be agile in nature so that it could be flexible to what's happening. But essentially, a strategic plan is a roadmap.
0: Before we get into the details about the plan, Pam, I'd like to know, there seem to be a lot of people at the table. What were the major concerns or challenges being raised by the various groups that you were encountering?
1: Another good question, and and I can see why you would look at what we did and say that, Uh, and it was very, a very non traditional way to go about a strategic plan. Um, To be brief, traditionally, a board of directors would form a small steering committee, who then would hire a consultant who would gather the data and then tell us what the data said and help us build a plan together with the senior management. Um, Right from the beginning, um, Susan and I were on the same wavelength that we wanted to do something different. We wanted it to be a much more action-oriented process, a much more collaborative process, and to involve as as many stakeholders and stakeholder groups as we could at the front end. So that instead of being told what was going on or what the evidence showed, we would actually go out and find the evidence, find the data, and interpret it with all of those perspectives. And I I was thinking about this earlier, one of the the, the questions that was asked really quite frequently was, what does this mean to you? So instead of being told, here's all your data, I've condensed it, and this is what it means, we looked at raw data, we talked to people, and we invited a large group of people to be part of that process. So we included the board, the senior team, our uh, patient and family advisory council, the auxiliary, the foundation. And then, you know, as because all of that data might mean something different to other people. And in addition to having that big group, what we call the strategic planning collaborative action team, each of us on that SPCAT, there's always an acronym, SPCAT, went and talked to our peers in other organizations. So, for example, I talked to the board chairs in Peterborough Hospital, Ross Halliburton and Campbellford, as well as Ontario Shores. And Susan talked to other CEOs and the people in the, uh, we had nursing staff on the team and they talked to the nurses. We had physicians on the team and they talked to the physicians because the data might mean something different to different people. And if we were gonna try and have a vision or possible multiple visions of what the hospital would need to be like in 20 years. We needed all of that brain power, all of that that live, that that life experience that everybody brought to the to the table. It, it was unusual. It was non-traditional. We didn't know if it was work, but would work. But I have to say, and I think everyone on that group would agree that we um, we achieved something very special. I, I would I, say that it was
2: a very high touch, high touch collaborative plan. That
0: we developed. I'd, I'd like to explore that just a little bit extra, Susan, if I may, with you. Uh, what were the doctors wanting to focus on when you were talking to them?
2: So when we, so when we, well, the physicians spoke to the physicians as part of that process. And the physicians, just as, a, as, just as an aside before I answer that, Rob, we also were going through our strategic planning process at the same time that Ontario Health Team Northumberland was going through their practice. So they also had a very extensive community consultation. And in one of those community consultations, there was a whole focus on primary care specifically around the strategic intensives. So from a physician perspective, I I think again, they have the same concerns that we do, really, is the ability for to be able to create care close to home, the ability to be able to have access to primary care. We are seeing our community growing, so they wanna be able to ensure. I mean, I think I would say that the physician feedback was very similar to some of the other groups that we talked about. And that was really looking at, you know, a good continuum of care across the system. The hospital in particular is one part of that continuum. And so this has really been a great opportunity for us to look at how do we work as a collaborative community around putting our arms around our patients and our patient populations to do that um, some of the other themes were making it easier for people to access care and how do we remove some of those barriers? And many of the issues that we face today are the same issues that were raised by many folks. But you have to remember too, it wasn't just focused on the problems, it was also focused on the aspirations for the organization. But well, what do we want to be as a medium-sized hospital? What do we want to be as a medium-sized hospital within a very connected community with an Ontario Health Team or Humble? And so, you know, as I said, the strategic plan is a roadmap but
0: it's also aspirational. I'd also be interested too of, of what the nurses, what they contributed and what were some of the ideas and aspirations that they put on the table.
2: Well, I think when you think about where we landed with our people first and responsive and healthy work environment, I would say that a lot of the feedback and the feedback was slightly different depending on the group that we spoke to. But nurses right now, I think they would focus very much on, and I'm talking about the nurses within the hospital, on their workloads, on their access to supports in the, in the care environment. And so we made a very concerted effort to make sure that when we developed our plan, that was there was a section that really focused on health human resources, and that was where we got the responsive and healthy work environment. I'd about, just like uh, to add bit uh, to that,
1: Rob, if I could. Uh, one of the, the in talk, we had nurses in our team, and um, they talked about their concerns, and we also heard from other groups, but one of the things that came out of the, one of the sessions we were having, and I can't remember exactly when it was, we were talking about, you know, what messages do we want to send out to the staff, and, and one of them that came through very clearly was, We've got your back. And that really resonated with the staff that the board, the senior management team, the people doing this plan had their back.
0: I I would be very interested, too, though. What about the other staff, the, the maintenance staff, the radiologists, the, you know, sometimes the people that we don't always associate with the hospital and yet are a critical component of the care that's given? Susan, would you like to share with us?
2: Yeah, and I think I responded because you you specifically identified nurses. But when we thought about this and when we had the conversations, it was not nursing centric. It was every single person um, was part of this consultation around having input into that. So we've been very we've been very intentional about making sure that we not only identify all staff, all physicians and volunteers because of all, and midwives. I mean, we have different groups in the hospital, but this notion of people first is really about humanity. It's about we're putting humanity first in what we do, and that's our new shared vision.
0: I'd be curious to know about the Patient Advisory Council, because, of course, those are the people that are the users. They're the people who are going to come through the front door. What do you recall from their contribution was significant?
1: Yes, we were very fortunate to have uh, two members from the Patient Family Advisory Council on the SPCAT team. And they, like all the rest of us, went back and talked to all the members of their council, and I'm sure they talked to other people as well. Um, They were, I I would say, they were able to help, to ensure that we had the perspective of the caregivers at the table. Um, The patients, yes, and the caregivers. That, I think, was one of the the big value adds that we got from them.
0: Susan, um, I'm going to read a quote from the senior leadership report to the board from October of 2022. And it says, quote, finally, the process of validating feedback with staff and members of the community on a proposed strategic priorities and a new shared purpose, quote, people first was completed in August. Let's talk about this people first strategic plan. Now there may be some people who are listening right now saying to themselves, people first seems pretty obvious when you're talking about providing healthcare to a community. Could you, I'll start with you, could you Susan tell us how, what, how did you come to this concept of people first and what does it mean from your perspective?
2: Yeah, I, I wanted. To, I, you talked about the validation process, and I'll talk. I just want to talk two seconds about that. We we went through a process of once we finally put, you know, and we've been through so many iterations of you know what that shared purpose would be and, and and we spent many hours with different statements no that doesn't sit well it doesn't ring right and when we were doing our annual report you'll see that it says people make the place so again we we we, we had a high profile of all of our of different people from every level of the organization our environmental workers our pharmacists people in general and our volunteers and so finally when we landed on people first and again we put it on the table we took it off the table It really came down to that sense, as I as I mentioned, it really is an ethos around humanity and doing things with the person in mind, and it also has a lens of diversity and equity. Also, we want to make sure that we are not leaving anyone behind in that conversation. So, people as patients, people as caregivers, people as stakeholders, people as staff, physicians, volunteers. So, we felt it was a very inclusive term, and really. When we've gone to staff to talk to them about this statement, people say they see themselves in that rod They really do. And it has resonated. And we also know that we, we're holding ourselves accountable to that. So we know that we need to continue
1: for everything that we do to put people first.
0: Pam, what does it mean to you?
1: Well, as Susan said, uh, she mentioned inclusion. And I think that, that we talked a lot about diversity and inclusion, and that is an aspirational goal. And, and so people first to us spoke to inclusion. Um, I also think personally that it's a very bold statement. Um, it means it, we have to now live up to that. We have to do, people have to believe that we have put them first. And whether it's someone sitting at a board table, um, someone sitting on the PFAC, something sitting at another committee meeting, some, a nurse, a doctor, an environmental worker, that, that the decisions that are made, the choices that are made have, have their back, that we're thinking about the impact on people. Um, and, and people might, you might think that's just a, a natural thing, it should be true. And, and I think we all intrinsically believe we do that, but by putting it out there, making it a big banner saying people first, there's no choice but to put people first. And so I, I think it's bold, but I think in these times, what we've been through, um, it, it, it's, it's time to do that. And I think it, it's, I know one of the things that Susan did um, in part of the validation was to actually ask people, what does pe- people first mean to you? And the answers were very interesting, but they were right onto what we wanted to hear. It wasn't, we didn't do it the other way around, say people first means this. We said, what does it mean to you? And their responses did come back in, when they came up with that. Yes, that's what we wanted to hear. They got it. They got what we're
0: talking about. I'd like to now break down the strategic priorities and talk about those in a, a little bit of detail. Susan, um, the first one is connected care close to home. What does that mean?
2: So when we were going through the process, we, we heard a lot around. So we, we did two um, intense sessions of three hours each day as part of our SPCAT and sorry for the acronym, but one of the things that we did there was really talking about connecting the hospital to the community. So this is really around two things. One is bringing care closer to the community home, wherever that home happens to be, but it's also connecting the parts. So when you look at the Again, I'm going to reference the OHT when you talk about the themes of navigation, um, caregiver support, keeping people in their home, letting people live well. It was all about keeping people as close to where they want to be. So this is about connecting providers, connecting services closer to home.
0: The Ontario government, Susan, has passed Bill 7. Yes. This is also known as the More Beds Better Care Act which allows for temporary transfers of senior hospital patients waiting for spaces in long-term care homes to another home, not of their choosing, or they're going to pay $400 if they refuse. This does not sound like it meshes particularly well with that first strategic priority. Could you maybe elaborate on how it's going to work?
2: So we've heard we've we've heard quite a bit about Bill seven and we've had conversations around what the impact would that be. We work very closely with our home and care community providers, and I think it's really important that individuals educate themselves on what Bill seven really means it really is about having. being access to the appropriate type of facility for you as an individual. And you have to have that criteria in place. So unless there's a perfect match with that criteria, you won't necessarily be in that position of being forced to do anything. I think that in our regions in particular, we don't have a lot of access to long-term care. And I believe it's a 70 kilometer um, radius. So we do not anticipate that there will be very, um, Significant negative impacts to our patient population around Bill Seven, but again, it's still it's still you know the legislation is going to be going in effect in November.
0: I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening that might have loved ones or know people that are are in the hospital. I know it's something that the hospital has struggled with is having long term uh, patients in their care uh, that should be in long term homes. What can you say to those people that will give them assurance that it isn't going to be suddenly happen?
2: That has never been something that we would do and i i think that i can honestly say that you know we are we're in the human we're in the humanity business as being in hospitals and so as i said we work very closely with our home and community partners to ensure that we make um, good transitions for individuals. And in addition, under that specific strategic direction, it is one of the areas that has a connect swim lane. And I've been calling it a swim lane to the work that's happening through the OHT and the OHTN. And they're also going to be focused on this area. So that alternate level of care, which really is supporting people to be in the right place where they're going to get the optimal care for where they need at that particular time, is a key area of focus and one of our operational objectives of part of the strategic plan.
0: Is there any chance that all of a sudden somebody's going to get, start getting charged 400 bucks, uh yeah. a day if they refuse?
2: Well, again, it, it's based on refusal and an appropriate location within your catchment area. So we are legislated to actually make that Charge if, in fact, that criteria um, comes up. But I, what I was trying to say is that in order for that to happen, it has to meet the the geographical boundaries, and I don't think that's going to be the case. So,
0: Pam, the second strategic priority is uh, says accountable care. Can you illuminate what that means?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of dimensions to that. Um, as you are, I know aware because I think we've talked about it before, but. Um, Recently, the hospital, recently in this past year, along with six other hospitals, uh, invested in a new clinical information system. It's called Epic. And there, uh, there is a wealth of data in Epic that is going to, to allow us to, 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 to improve care, um, to produce, improve connectedness, continuity. So, so unleashing the power of that technology is we, we've put under accountable care. I would also put under accountable care, um, financial um, stability and uh, good accounting. And um, the, what's the word I'm looking for now? I can't even think of the word, but as uh, board members, we're responsible for that as well as, as is Susan and our CFO, but um, we have to, we, we will commit under this particular um, strategic pillar, that we will make sure that we have the right financial support to do what, what needs to be done. Um, stewardship, that's the word I'm looking for. So, so appropriate stewardship um, to support that. One of, the, one of the reasons, another reason why we went forward with uh, st- putting together a strategic plan when we did, despite the fact that we had a pandemic and meant we had to do it over video and so on, was that uh, we, we need to, to prepare what they call a master plan. Looking ahead 20 years, we need to look at what does the hospital need to look like at that point, and so there could be infrastructure investments required. This is re- requiring us to create what we call a master plan to go to the government with. So, and part of that has got to be how do we how do we get there financially? What what are we going to need in terms of investment to do that? And and yes, we'll be asking the government, but we may also be asking the community. Um, so once the strategic plan is completely baked, the next step is to create that master plan so that we can say to the government, this is what we're gonna look like and we need to start now. This is what we need to do in the first three years, next three years, whatever, whatever increments of time we we need, but we need to be able to reassure the community that stick around because we'll still be here and we'll be able to serve you.
0: The next item in the strategic plan, it says, responsive and healthy work environment. Susan, enlighten us as to what that means.
2: Really, that's a focus on our people. So that is really, you know, if you want to be able to have a vibrant, excellent organization, you have to be able to provide an environment that's restorative and responsive to the individuals that are in there providing care. So it's all about our Staff development, supporting our new grads that come into the organization, supporting our physicians, supporting our new leaders to be as effective as they can be. So it's really about um, all of the things that we do to create an exceptional culture and a restorative environment. And um, there was one of the pieces that I just lost my train of thought, too, um, and I'll come back to it. But it, it really is about a focus on our people. Sorry about that.
0: Then I'll go over to Pam while you're recalling. Um, the last one was exceptional care every time for every person. T- tell us more about that, Pam.
1: And and you may, again, recognize some of the words in that particular um, topic because it used to be our tagline. It used to be our shared vision, exceptional care every time. And and we knew that that was still valid and valuable, but it needed to be, it was re-examined and we felt it was, was more appropriate to put it into this the strategic plan as, a, as another pillar. Um, and we added the, for every person. Again, we are committed to diversity. We want to make sure that everyone is included and, and has the hospital for them. And with, a, with an emphasis on the vulnerable and marginalized populations, we, we don't know how quite to handle this one yet, but we're gonna work with partners in our community, to make sure that the people who are perhaps more vulnerable or marginalized can get to the hospital, um, can get to the services, or maybe the services go out to them. We talked about closer to home. You know, you know, should we be funding clinics? I mean, there's there's a wealth of, of uh, possibilities there. But um, I would say the key thing about this is is the for every person, um, and. In order to do that, of course, we have to stabilize our health human resources and make sure that we have the staff and we have some very innovative things going on there in terms of growing the skills and the the people that we need and in really working collaboratively collaboratively with others. And if, if this exercise has proven anything to us is that what we knew intuitively is true, that to succeed, we need to work with partners. We need to partner on just about everything um collaboration is not a dirty word it is something that we need to do so you know we will have in order to achieve this particular pillar we are going to have to work collaboratively across the community across the county um but the good news for people listening today is that the people the partners and the health service providers in this county all agree with this um when i spoke to my counterparts in the other hospitals they were 100% on board. They, they also agreed this is the way we have to do it. Resources are not um, endless and uh, we need to work together to make sure that we can we can provide that exceptional care every Susan, time oh, for every
0: person. Susan, these are great concepts. This is a visionary document, but now the rubber has to hit the road. Yes. How does the hospital go about making all this happen?
2: So, we're doing this in two ways, actually. We're doing, in fact, prior to this meeting, we had a leadership meeting with all of our leaders. We're doing it from a bottom up and top down approach. So, our bottom up is really how do you make meaning of the strategic plan? We're not a blank organization. We, 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 we didn't, we're not um, an empty vessel. We've been doing things all along that already mapped to the strategic plan. So, part of that is connecting the dots. What are we already doing that is aligned with our strategic plan? But also, what are the new things that we need to be doing and prioritizing? And that's what's typically called an operational plan. And so right now we have an 18 month plan and right and we're focused on the next till the end of March. And these are the key objectives that we're going to achieve. And I personally am holding myself accountable for us to achieve those. And those are the things that we've been talking about. Some of them are not net new. But you know, one of those things for me is an advocacy agenda around the pieces that Pam mentioned in terms of our growth and expansion in areas where we want to bring care closer to home.
0: Pam, if I'm listening to any of this and I have concerns or feedback, what can I do to voice those?
1: Excellent question. And um, you know, we're certainly looking forward to in the in in at some point when when we can start meeting personally again uh, to to have some additional community engagement opportunities. But I would say that um, we're all we are open to questions, and I I'm I'm going to put Susan's name out there just because. Um, I'm no longer the board chair. Uh, Beth Selby is chair of the board, and I know Beth would also be open to any questions, but I think probably the best thing you do would be to suggest that they they send them to Jennifer Gillard, our, our communications specialist, and she will get them to either Susan or Beth or myself or whomever is the best person to answer them.
0: Susan, there's always concerns about privatization, and when you are discussing this strategy, How did you integrate the ideas around the development of like standalone specialty clinics or increases uh, to other services like x-ray or tests that are done by third parties? How how does that fit in into this strategic plan um, to ensure that we will have a public healthcare system locally?
2: Our, our focus within the strategic plan was really around publicly funded. A, a publicly funded healthcare system is the strongest healthcare system, and so when Pam mentioned about partnerships. There are many partnerships that we can engage in that are not-for-profit partnerships that can help us provide exceptional care close to home. So I would say that we didn't spend a lot of time talking about privatization in the context of this plan. We really focused on the feedback that we received from our community about what's real for them here and now in achieving those goals. And the other piece I just wanted to say around your previous question is that the the other work that we're doing is really how do we measure our success of our strategic plan? And so that's the other lane that we need to be focusing on Um, and I am hope I am absolutely happy at any time for anyone to reach out to me I'm a very responsive individual if people want to reach out to me with their concerns I'm more than happy to hear from them.
0: Pam what is the takeaway you want people to leave with when they look at the strategic plan?
1: Uh, a very wise person actually, uh, said to me, when we, I love these, the topic of strategic planning, but this particular person said, you know, strategic planning is about choices. It's about making choices of what you're going to focus on. But a good strategic plan also provides a framework against which everyone can, can make choices. And I think I would reassure the, the people listening that we have flexibility, we, we, will, we will change our directions if, the, if things change that we need to we're, we're going, This is gonna be very, um, it's almost organic and it will be responsive to changes. So if they've had experiences with strategic plans that are in a binder on a bookshelf and gather dust for five years, this is not that at all. This is a roadmap, Susan mentioned that. It's, a, it's laying out the choices we've made right now but also provided a framework that as more choices are needed to be made, we'll be able to make them. And we will be able to, people will be able to look at the strategic plans and say, I understand why you made that choice.
0: Susan Walsh, Pam Wendt, thank you so much for talking to me today.
1: Our pleasure. My pleasure. Always, Rob. Great to talk to you.
0: That was Northumberland Hills Hospital CEO, Susan Walsh, and former Hospital Board Chair, Pam Wente. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County, so please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com, or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast, or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.